This message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Pastor Kevin Myers delivers the teaching entitled Build Sacred. This is the second message in the series, Keep It Together. We hope this serves you well. Please enjoy. Three kids at home and there's no time to play. Life's a little more stressful each day. Even when we fall apart at the seams, our family's gonna follow our dreams. So we gotta keep it together, cause we know the future gets better, even when the world says whatever, the only thing that we can do is keep it together. Well, and just like the Keep It family, every family is trying to figure out how to keep it together. By the way, anybody from the 90s remember the Game Boys? Any of you ever have one? Your kids have one? Come on. How about Tetris? Did you ever play Tetris? I was more, we were more Pac-Man. Anybody more kind of into the Pac-Man? You ever do that? Thank you. A little support on the other side for Pac-Man. But we're still all trying to figure out how do you keep it together? And we've been offering four things they keep a family together. If you're in a dating relationship, here's how you keep it together. Your marriage, here's how you keep it together. Family, here's how you keep it together. So on the back of your te- teaching notes, let's grab your teaching notes. Let's get right at this. Go back to where we left off last week. And we begin with number four. How do you keep a family together? Number four, solve conflict. Say it with me, everybody. Solve what? Conflict. Write it down. Put it in your notes. Here we go. Number four, solve conflict. Here's the point. If you're in a dating relationship, you're going to have conflict. If you're in marriage, you can't escape conflict. Every family experiences conflict. It's part of a relationship. The question is, how do you solve conflict? And we're going to get to that, but not till week four, because you got to get the other three right before you know how to solve conflict. In fact, before you solve conflict, you have to solve calendar. You have to solve what? calendar that's right because listen you get your calendar right together and you'll solve over half of your conflict and how do you align calendar well you can't align calendar unless you align around sacred around what sacred see you don't know what to do with your calendar until you can build sacred it's where we're going today Sacred is one of the most overlooked secrets to keeping it together in family. That's true in dating, in marriage, and family. Sacred is wholly set apart. And sacred is really the mortar that holds the bricks together. In other words, you want to build a strong house You want to make it a brick house all the way around? You don't just stack up bricks. You got to use mortar. It's what holds it together. That's the role of sacred. And before you build sacred, you have to build solid. Now that's right there in your notes. It's already filled in. It's where we left off last week. So just as a brief reminder, we had the little chocolate bunny conversation. You have to get online and go to the teaching online from last week where we left off. But we talked about the solid chocolate bunny and the hollow chocolate bunny, which since last week kind of got eaten up a little bit uh, as people kept taking pieces of it. And what we recognize is that you're either in a dating relationship that at the core is either solid or hollow. True of a marriage, it's either solid or hollow. True of a family, it's either solid or hollow. And here's how you know when you put pressure on it. See, the solid doesn't fall apart, but the hollow does. Because what is on the inside determines the strength of that marriage and family. 
It takes 75% more chocolate to be solid. And by the way, that's true. Marriages and families and dating relationships that are solid put a whole lot more effort on the inside. And that's what makes them sustainable. There's no way to teach you any kind of conflict skill management or calendar management that can compensate for a hollow core. So yes, we're going to get to calendar and conflict. But first, you got to build solid. Again, go online if you missed last weekend's teaching. But most of us have never been trained biblically or strategically in how you build a great family. And that's why we're in this. So you build solid and then you build sacred. Then you build what? Sacred. Say it again with me. Then you build what? Sacred. That's what we're talking about today. So look in your teaching notes. And I put a paragraph there that I just want to read. I wrote it out for you in detail because I want you to understand. Since Jesus is at the center, we set our hearts and minds on things above. New things become sacred, holy set apart. We die, say that with me, we what? We die to old things we once valued and value new things we once dismissed. So let's go back to the book of Colossians. Everybody grab their Bible right underneath your chair or across the campuses. You picked up a Bible on the way in. We're turning over to Colossians, which is on page 1184, page 1184. If you're not used to grabbing a Bible, turn underneath your chair, pull it out, turn to page 1184, Colossians chapter 3. By the way, if you don't have a Bible of your own on the way out today, go to our guest information. We'll give you a Bible, a gift to you. You need God's word. It'll change your life. Now the setup here, where we left off last week, the Apostle Paul is in Rome. He's in prison for the sake of his faith. He's writing to the church in Colossae. And there's confusion in the church. There are false teachers bringing non-Christian philosophies into the church. And so this non-Christian philosophy is colliding with Christianity. And they're saying you can mix and blend these and you can't. You can't take the world's values and add them to Christianity. And so here in Colossians, Paul writes chapter 3, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Now get this. He's saying since or therefore because of. Because of what we just read in the first two chapters. Because of where we left off last week. In other words, now that you've built solid, now that you've decided that you're not merely a Christian family, but you're going to be a Christ-centered family, and there's a huge difference. It's not just throwing a tag over your family, oh, we're a Christian family, and you just add Jesus. you got to go back to last week's teaching. It is profound, and you got to know the difference. To build solid is to put Christ at the center. Remember, Paul reinforced for us that Jesus is the creator of all things. All things were created through him, by him, and for him. He was before all things, meaning he's at the center of it. And he holds all things together. From the core of the atom in the material world to holding your marriage and family together. And since Jesus is at the center of all things in all existence, make him the center of your family. That's build solid. So he says, since then, because, like already he's saying, now that you know you're going to build solid, he goes on to talk about sacred. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You see that? 
See, once you decide that you're going to build sacred, once Christ is the center, now things become sacred. You begin to value things that you never valued before. You now set your mind on things that are above, not on things on earth. Now, no longer do you see life from a mere material, earthly standpoint, but you see it from an eternal, and your values judgment has been matured and developed, and you can discern. So set your minds, verse 2, on things above, not on earthly things. Verse 3, for you died, there it is again. What does it mean you died? It means your old life is dead. You died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death. There it is again. He's just reinforced that there are things that have to die in you to live in Christ. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, that is your sinful nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language in your lips. Uh, Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self. There it is again. You've dined to old self and have put on Oh, see, now there's new values. Now you're putting on new values, the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Look back at the paragraph we wrote and we already read in your notes. Look right back there. I read it once. I'm going to read it again. Since Jesus, this is built sacred. Since Jesus is the center, we set our hearts and minds on things above. New things become sacred. New things become what? Sacred, which is wholly set apart. We die to old things we once valued. What things we once valued in our old life before we walked Christ, we die to those. And we value new things we once dismissed. What is Paul telling us? When my kids were preschoolers many years ago, uh, I would take a handful of change, like I, like I have right here. So I would take this change... Yeah, there's some, a couple dimes, some nickels, some pennies, all shiny, all sweet looking. And I would hold that in front of them. And then I would hold a bill in my other hand. I just love doing this. <laughs> Here's a $100 bill. And I'd say, which one do you want? Now, I'm not asking you, because I know which one. Some of you think, oh, you're going to let somebody come up here and choose? No, because I know what you're going to do. I'm not, I'm not asking you. I would ask this of my preschool kids uh, when they were in preschool. I said, which one do you want? And which one do you think they would choose? Every time. What would they choose? Say it again. What is it? The change. Why? It's shiny. And there's more. It's just one of these paper things. But there's more. And so they would grab it in their chubby little fists. And sometimes it takes two fists. And they go back to the room. They're so excited. Show their brother and sister. Look what I got. Oh, you're rich. They had no idea that they just gave up 200 times its value. Because they haven't developed in values yet. They don't have discernment. Now, I don't do this with them anymore (laughs) because I'd lose a lot of money. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, you used to live by the thinking of this world, which is nothing more than 50-cent advice 
And God would lay out $100 values that are transforming 200 times the value and return. And you used to make 50 cent decisions and think, oh, I'm rich, this is an awesome way to live. And, and the truth is now you know, that's just a pathetically poor way to live. See, now you understand the $100 value that Christ is offering and you've been transformed. Listen, you now die. You, you, you just, you have, you die to this idea of grabbing change and being allured by the shininess of it and being drawn to it. Oh, that's more. It's not more anymore. You know it's not more. Now you're making all those $100 value decisions. You're like, you're going after the stuff that has real value. That's what he's saying. It's not, you die to the 50 cents. You're alive to the $100 invitation. You see now what nobody else has seen in the world. You understand what's sacred. Now the Ten Commandments, you look back on that and you're like, oh my goodness, that's, that, I used to treat that as nothing. That's the $100 sacred. Now the name of God is sacred. It's above all other names. There is no name like it. I revere that name. I never mishandle or misuse the name of the Lord our God. Never use it in vain. It's holy. Set apart. The Sabbath principle, one in seven days. Man, I set apart. I don't work. I, I see striving. I know that he is God. It's transformed the way I do life and calendar. Marriage is sacred. You don't commit adultery. My word is sacred. You don't lie. See, now you move from building solid to building sacred. So I put in your notes, and, and, and here's where we're going to go. What are the sacred values in your family? Well, what are going to be the sacred values in your dating relationship? You're in a dating relationship. What are the sacred values? What, what are the sacred values in your marriage? And what are the sacred values in your family? And, and you're going to settle what are or what will be your sacred family values. That's the goal of today. And listen, that's going to be your homework assignment. So when we're done, I'm going to send you off this week, and you're going to go begin to settle what are or what will be, what do you desire to be, your sacred family values. When Christ is at the center, what then becomes the sacred, clear, crisp values? And I'm going to illustrate from our own life, from, from my life with uh, Marsha, our marriage, our family. And I'm going to give you, this isn't all of them, this is an example. I'm going to give you five, um, and certainly, you, you, you know, we use Scripture, you're going to come up with hundreds. But I'm going to give you five that are true of our family. Here's the first one, and they're in no particular order, but I'll give them to you this way. Number one that I'm going to give you is togetherness. Everybody say it with me. It's called what? Togetherness. togetherness. For us, togetherness is sacred. Now, we take that right back from the beginning. God created Adam. And when God created Adam, he created the individual. When he created Eve, he created society. He created togetherness, and it is sacred. It's not unlike this unusual unity of the Trinity between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there is a togetherness that is sacred. Look at Matthew chapter 19 when Jesus is speaking. At the beginning... The creator made the male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. There is a sacredness to together, and we say as a family, togetherness is going to be sacred for us. Let me be, let me be blunt about this. Hear me. What that means in our family is that togetherness is sacred, which means we make every effort to be together. Keep listening. Which means togetherness is our default. Watch this. For us, 
we're going to be together unless we plan to be separate. The default is we will be together. On any given night, any given dinner, any given weekend, together is what we do. If you make plans in our family, you don't make plans to get together. We're already gonna be together. You only make plans to be separate. See, in some families, the default is separate and you have to make plans to be together. There is a difference. You gotta pick one. What is kind of sacred in your family? And we were doing this from the beginning. We said early on, listen, if we want a family that stays together, we're gonna have to make together a sacred family value. You need to spend time, effort, energy. You need to work on this, so we're going to. So even back when we had our first two kids, and Josh, our firstborn, was turning three years old in May of 1991. His sister, Julissa, was 19 months old at the time. And Marcia had to be up in Michigan for a detailed uh, host of reasons. But anyhow, she was at her folks' house up in Michigan. I had to stay here because it was over a Sunday, and, and I couldn't be away. And, and, and I was going to miss Josh's th- third birthday. Eh, that's no big deal. You can't be there for everything. However, for us, it's a big deal. I want us to be together. So what Marsha did know is I had a little incognito plan. I arranged it with her mom and I said, look, I'm going to fly up. Marsha's not going to know. I don't want anybody to know. I'm going to get dressed up as a clown. You're going to hire me. So you're going to tell him, hey, I got a clown for, for Josh's third birthday. He's going to come with balloons and presents. I said, I'll stop by at a hotel. I'll get all dressed up like a clown. I'll give me a, a, an orange fro and I'll paint up like a clown. I'll get a clown outfit and I'll show up at the house and nobody will know. And then I'll surprise them. It'll blow their minds and then we'll be together. It'll be awesome. So I did. And I showed up and I came to the door and I come in and, and, and I'm doing my thing and I'm, it's really cool clown stuff. And, but now Josh, when he finally, when I finally revealed, it's daddy, because I'm faking my voice, whatever, whatever. And it's daddy. And Josh was like, daddy, yeah, dad's here for your birthday. And it was special. It was awesome. We're together. And, and Marsha, I'm like, you didn't know, honey. I so got you. She said, you didn't get me. I said, well, yes, I did. She had that little wry smile. She said, you didn't get me. She said, as soon as you turned around, I looked you up and down. I went, that's the Myers bubble butt. That's my man. <laughs> she said, you can't, you can't. There's some things you just can't hide. I said, honey, that's horrible. That is not true. You did not know. She said, oh, yeah, I knew. Now, Julissa, the 19-month-old, oh, my goodness. She would, when, my, when I finally <laughs> revealed, when she heard her daddy's voice coming out of that creepy clown, she couldn't handle it. She would not come to me. In fact, this is one of our favorite family photos. Here I am sitting there. She's on grandma's lap looking back at me, but she will not come see me. So I guess together didn't work, and that proves clowns are creepy. But anyhow, anyhow, it's still a family value. We've been fighting for together the whole time. What is your default? What's your default around your house, in your marriage, and in your family? Is your default together? Or separate. And by the way, if I can do just a sidebar, it's tough to build togetherness in the early stages of a family when your kids are coming in, they're starting to grow up, and they're in the early elementary. But it's just as tough when they're in teen years. I mean, this Keep It Together family video is challenging for all of us with all the technology and with all the sports and with all the collision. That it's hard to even get dinner together. But what surprises most people is that when you hit empty nester, that might be the most difficult season to win togetherness. Because curiously, something occurs when the kids leave. There is this turn from what was sacred to, well, we no longer need to do that. And separate can become the default instead of together. The divorce rate over the last 20 years has doubled for those in their 50s on up. The gray divorce. 
And you may have discovered that when you get into the empty nester season, you're going to have to re-up on what's sacred. You may have to renew what's sacred. You're going to have to confess together that we didn't just do sacred for the sake of our kids. We did sacred for the sake of the life of God in us. And we better be clear about what's sacred and fight for, or we could lose the most beautiful thing that God has built. See, listen, self-centered is dangerous at any season of life, including empty nester season. It's always dangerous. And your empty nester season could be the most beautiful, most wonderful relationship, companionship, and kingdom impact you've ever had. But it won't happen by accident because you can become separate and drift. One of the beauties of being a church celebrating their 30th anniversary season is that we have thousands of families that are in early stages of building their family early on. Thousands of families with teenagers and thousands of families that are moving into empty nester. I'm going to tell you something. I'm having the conversations. It's challenging. It's surprising to you. I may be calling a group of empty nesters together in the weeks and the months ahead. And when I make that call and say, y'all, come in, let's have a conversation. How do you make this the highest impact season? and your life and for the kingdom of God. Because listen, sacred praying together and serving together and being about somebody or something other than yourself and a vision bigger than just you is as critical and empty nester as it was at any other time at life. It matters what's sacred. Let me give you a second one. Again, not in any particular order, but here's a second one for our family. God first, say it with me. God what? First. One more time, God what? See, firsts all through scripture are sacred. In other words, God is first, and therefore, we as a family have recognized that God gets all the firsts. Whether in your dating relationship or your marriage or your family, you're going to have to decide who or what is first. And here's my point. We got to recognize that that anything other than God first is making a 50-cent decision, (laughs) meaning you're choosing the 50 cents. Let, let, Let me be more practical. For example, God is our first counselor. Our first what? Counselor. He's where we get our first advice. In other words, any decision, any problem, any circumstance, when we need perspective, when we need to know how we think, we start with God. He's our first counselor. This is what David was saying in Psalm chapter 1. Look at this. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of this wicked world. In other words, 50 cent decisions. (laughs) But his delight is in the teachings of the Lord. See, you and I live in a world where the world's going to tell you, oh, this is, this right here is how you should think. They're going to pull out 50 cents and say, this is how you should think when it comes to marriage and family, blah, blah, blah. It, it, what, what are you going to choose? You, you're, going to, you, you're going to get 50 cent counsel or $100 advice? Because you're picking one of them. Keep listening. You can't make 50 cent decisions and get a $100 life. So where do you get your advice? Who forms your first advice view of creation, of marriage, of family, of sexuality, LGBTQ, how you manage money, how you take care of your body, your morals, your ethics? Who's the first word of authority in your life. Ah. See, our family settled it. God gets the first word. Jesus said it this way. 
Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And we recognize, since he's at the center of all things, he's our first counselor. The first one, first advice, first word. What's sacred in your family? He's first in our calendar. First in our what? Calendar. So, for example, one in every seven days, that was God's big, big idea. There's a reason for that. So we shut down. There's a day a week we don't work. We worship. Make a priority of it. It affects your calendar. In fact, we'll pick that up next week. Because, see, you don't know how to, listen, you don't know how to do calendar until you know what's sacred. And you don't know what's sacred until you know what's solid at the center of life. And the reason most people can't get calendar and conflict settled is because they haven't done the internal work to know how to do the most practical stuff in life. So we'll get to calendar, but we got to know what's sacred. God's first when it comes to money. The Bible gives the most insight on money of any other book, counselor, or otherwise. And he's first. The world says that the money is mine. I've earned it. I do with it what I want. If I give anything, I give it back to God out of my own generosity. We don't believe it. Scripture says everything is the Lord, 100% of everything I have. And the first 10% is God. He owns it. I don't give it to him. I return it to him. I recognize him as the owner of every good thing. My kids know throughout their entire life, they've always known our giving. They know that a minimum of the first 10% of everything gross that comes into our house goes back to God. And the Old Testament went to the temple, and the New Testament goes to the church. And our kids know that. Good or bad financial times, it's irrelevant. Their entire lives. Because the first is sacred. And God is first, and he gets the first. What's sacred in your life? Here's another one, authentic. In no particular order, but here's the third one I put down, authentic. Say it with me. What is it? Authentic. In Marsha's words, that means consistency between what you say and what you do. We, you know what? We're going to be a family that, that works hard to practice authentic. No, listen, nobody's perfect. We don't do it perfectly. We just desire to be authentic, which means this. Whatever we say to our kids is what we do. We, we don't teach one thing and then do another. We, we got to own it. We got to be authentic. That means when we say that God, sovereign God, our sovereign God is our source and we depend on him. He's the center. Marsh and I have to learn to practice this in our own life. We can't just talk, talk, talk. We, we actually have to live this. Let, let me lay it out in a, a more tangible kind of way. Okay, here the case for Kevin and, and, and obviously I'm the husband and, and then M for Marsha and she, she's the wife. And, and just to use cultural language that they, they say often that, that men aspire to a need and must find uh, significance. And, and so we get that and, and, and women security. Now, that doesn't mean that men don't need security and women don't need significance. That's not what I'm saying. You just understand generally in the culture, maybe for significance I could use the word uh, success or or, or maybe for security, we could use uh, identity, and, and that makes sense. But that doesn't mean that, that, that I don't need a, a sense of identity and security or that Marsha doesn't need a sense of significance or success. You, you get that. But, but one of our counselors or, or one of the guys that we refer people to who's a counselor uh, and 12-stoner, he, he'll walk couples through this in families and say, listen, the, the man has to get his significance from God. From who, everybody? From God. And, and the wife, the woman, has to get her sense of security and identity from from God from who from God see if you recognize that he's the center then he has to be the source upon whom you depend so that you get yourself centered in him I have to find my significance in him first otherwise 
I will require that of my wife. And if, listen, if I need my wife to give me my sense of significance, she's going to fail. And if she requires me to be her security and identity and provide that in a sustainable way for her, I'm going to fail. Listen, you cannot bring all of your emotional baggage and your emotional holes to your spouse and say, fill me up and make me whole and then wonder why it doesn't work. No human being can fill what only God can fill. You have a God-shaped void in your life that only God can fill. You go get that settled with God so that you can bring a whole person into the marriage. Listen, if I don't get that from God, I'm going to start passing that along. Go get that from my career, or I'm going to get that from my kids, or I'm I'm going to go get that from materialism, or I'm going to go get that into a fair. See, my wife will do the same thing. She ain't getting it. Oh, my husband doesn't make me feel secure. I can't find my identity. Him. Well, then she'll put it on her kids, and her kids can't carry that. But she doesn't realize what she's doing and what she's requiring of her kids. Or she'll go and and, and get that from her career, and and that will put all kinds of pressure on her because her career can't serve that, or an affair, or finances. You get the idea see you get whole with God and you can bring a whole person to a marriage relationship and then they add great happiness and joy and Marcia I can't talk 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 God's the source in the center but not go do 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 or we get undone that's authentic so I don't put pressure on her to be my significance she's not my everything God's my everything And then she adds wonderful companionship. Authentic, real, honest, true. Honesty matters. Josh, our firstborn, when he was uh, mid-teen years, early mid-teen years, uh, mom, Marsha made him uh, a bowl of ice cream. She would just be, hey, let me make some ice cream for you. A nice big bowl of ice cream. And a few minutes later, she saw him walking through the house again, and the bowl looked about the same amount of ice cream. She says, did you go get more? He said, no. Go get more? Walks up to his room. You know what's coming. <laughs> the ice cream didn't taste as good because he had. And a few minutes later, he comes down to mom's room, knocks on the door. Mom, um, man. When you said that to me, I immediately went defensive. And everything in me said, I can do what I want. You can't tell me what to do. And what's a big deal if I take a little bit more ice cream and blah, blah. And and I just, I caved. Honestly, mom, I just, I lied. I flat out lied to you. And I know we don't do that. And I'm sorry. I just want to applaud my son. Listen, watch, watch, watch. Because he knew what was sacred, it immediately solved conflict. Do you see this? Listen, if, you don't, if you're not clear on what's sacred, what's sacred will solve the majority of your conflict. But when the only thing you work on is conflict and calendar and you don't know what's sacred or solid, no wonder this thing just cycles and goes nowhere. Good for him because, see, we rise up to a calling in our family to be authentic people, and that is sacred. That's what it means to be in this family. Rise up to it, son. Good for you. So now he's married, and they have their daughter, Breland, who's 19 months old. My granddaughter, she's adorable, and they're wonderful parents, and they tell her they love her. But they can't just say it. they got to live it authentically. And you could, you could I, I watched an Instagram last week, and I, when I saw it, I said, see, that's what I mean. See, that, the, our little granddaughter, Breland, is, is playing with her, uh, with her stuffed animal doggy, and she's treating her doggy like her mom treats her. See, because they mimic. You can't just say you love me after a treat. So she said, oh, doggy, uh, honey, uh, wash, wash booty. 
Now, I'm telling you, it is so adorable that I have to play it. And you who are parents of young kids, you know how entertaining this all is, and I'm gonna play it. Check it out. What's your body? 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 Oh, honey, honey. <laughs> Why? Come on now, that's adorable. I don't care who you are. She is so cute. And you know what? She, she treats her stuffed animals mimicking how her mom treats her. Tender, loving, patient. You can't just say it. You got to live it. What's sacred in your family? Let me give you another one. Gumption. Say it with me. What's the word? Gumption. Gumption is a self-leadership word. That's sacred in our family. It, in a sense, it's, it's requiring of yourself. Listen, it's requiring of yourself without excuse. And sometimes it's better seen than said. So here's my favorite picture of gumption, which I gave to 12 Stone seven years ago. I'm going to play it again. Check it out. Come on. You almost want to applaud the stupid little mouse. I, it's silly as it is. See, that's gumption. Gumption is muscling up. It's requiring of yourself without excuse. No whining. Take responsibility. Do your absolute best. Make a commitment and complete it. Nobody else is going to carry your stuff. You carry your stuff. God's put stuff in you, leverage it. Don't get lazy. Demand of yourself. Gumption. Because we know that everything worthwhile is uphill. So in our family, we're going to climb. You want a $100 life, you climb for it. You want a cheap little life, keep making stupid little 50-cent decisions, and that's all you're ever going to get. But you don't get a $100 life, a $100 marriage, or a $100 family on 50-cent decisions or effort. Gumption. I don't care what grades my kids get. Hear me, I really don't. I just care that you exercise gumption. If you're getting 80s, and that's all the gumption leveraged in you, and that's your best, that's all we ask of you. Good for you. We'll celebrate you. If you're getting 90s, but you should have 95s to 100s, and you're not exercising gumption, we don't celebrate that. You're not giving your best. There's no applause on the other side of that. It's not a comparison to somebody else. It's what God's put in you. Are you putting it all on the table? Are you using everything you got? Are you leveraging it? Gumption is sacred in our family, and we celebrate it. When Marsha graduated a couple of years ago with her master's degree, went back and said, you know what, I always wanted to do this, raise the family, the majority of it, it's time for me to go back and put a little gumption back into what I used to do. Good for you. When she got done, the family went out and celebrated. When my daughter, Julissa, already having her teaching degree, said, man, I want to go further and I want to go develop further and became a reading specialist in the county and graduate. We said, good for you. When my two sons, the two oldest ones, completed their CPA finals, which they graduated with and finished in 2017, both of them together were like, well done, sons. That requires gumption. What does your family call sacred? There's the fifth. Got to move on, get to it. Bless others. Write it down. What is it? Bless others. Say it with me. What is it? Bless others. Listen, God is a blessing God, and we should be a blessing people. 
God does, God does not bless you so that it can be about you. He blesses you so you can bless others. That's core to being like your father in heaven. Now, there's a multitude of ways to express that. One of the many ways we express it in our family to be about others is in simple, tangible ways. So if we buy somebody's coffee while we're out at a Starbucks, we like, just go bless that other person or buy their bagel or, 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 or buy their gas or buy their groceries. Those are ways to do it. My kids know they've watched it for years, their whole lives. When we're out eating out, we look for a family to, to buy their meal and bless. And when we're in a position to do that, we, and we do it frequently. We love doing it. In fact, that's kind of part of the DNA of this church. This church is a blessing church. A ton of you do it. In fact, Marsha, and I were out the other, uh, uh, the other week on our, on our date night, and, and when we were done eating, we were time to go to the movie, and I said, hey, uh, can we have our bill? And the lady said, uh, no, you can't. It's been paid for. I said, what? She said, yep, somebody here incognito paid for it. They already slipped out. He said, but I want you to know, at the bottom of their receipt, they wrote, thank you for saving our marriage and family. I'm like, oh, that's so good. That's what we do. God blesses us in our marriages and our family and we invite people into the journey. We want you to know God. We want you to know the power of God to rescue you. He can rescue any broken marriage, any level, any experience, any family, no matter how broken it seems, no matter how hollow it seems, God can make it solid if you'll put him at the center. This is who our God is. He blesses and rebirths and resurrects and builds things and holds them together like nobody else on earth. But you gotta choose to surrender to him as sacred and then die Die to the old life. Embrace the new life. This bless others thing is who we are as a people. I told you a year ago as a church, I said, it's coming. We as a church, we're going to figure out how to pour into coaches who pour into our kids. Any of you remember me saying that? Like a year ago, we're going to pour into coaches who pour into our kids. And I said it early on. I said, it's coming. We hope we get it done by, by August, but we pushed it to February. We're coming this February 24th. This February what? 24th. We're having the leader, the coaches' leadership gathering. And this coaches leadership network that we're launching is to pour into coaches who pour into our kids. We want to bless the coaches who bless our kids. Listen, coaches, like nobody else in the territory, pour into our kids. It is so marking. And you know this. So from any arena of coaching, whether it's cheerleading or football or lacrosse or soccer, the list goes on and on and on. We want to bless them. And so we're going to launch with an event that pours into them, that blesses them, which means the event is free to them. And here's what the event's going to look like. Ernie Johnson is going to be hosting the event for us. He's going to be the mainstay. He's going to be communicating, but he's going to be also doing the interview. Maybe you know him. He's the inside the NBA guy and, and his book is his national bestseller. And, and so he's going to do this along with interviewing Dan Quinn, which you disappointed with the Falcons loss, but you got to give it up. That man's a coach. Last couple years going to the playoffs, he's going to be here and pour into coaches. That's part of the gift. Coaches can't go get time with Dan Quinn, but we're going to bring him in. He's agreed to come in. This is going to be fantastic. Then John Maxwell is coming live, and he's going to be pouring into coaches. He's a leadership coach. All of this gathering for what? For the for just anybody, whether they're school or recreation. Coaches, whoever they are at any level, are going to be invited in for free, free tickets, and we know they give too much time. So rather than just invite the coach, we're going to say, bring your family. In other words, bring your spouse along with you. They're welcomed into the room and bring your kids. We're going to have kids ministry stuff or kids, not really ministry, but kids fun stuff happening. And we're going to serve them as a church and make it a blowout kind of fun gathering that pours into them and blesses them. It'll cost them nothing. It's just our way of saying, you do a great work in this community. We want to bless you and thank you for it. And we're going to invite them in. And you as a church, you get to go invite 
Look, 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 look on the screen right here. This, this is the Coaches Leadership Network. This is the website. Go check it out. We're going to give you invitations. You can begin to think right now, oh, man, I got to get to my kid's coach. Even if we're out of season, I'm going to get to them and get an invite to them. So we've already started it. We've already put it online. Already some 400 tics- tickets are taken. Once they're taken, they're taken. But, oh, to bless others is a beautiful, sacred thing. Now what do we do? Homework time. Look at your notes. Bottom of the teaching notes. Homework time. Define what is sacred in your family. This week, go find what is sacred in your family. Go find those four to seven things. And by the way, figure it out for your dating life, if you're dating, if you're married, if you're married, for your family, if you have children of whole family. What, what is going to be your family's sacred list? Now, I know there's hundreds, but you go figure it out. And here's some ideas. You can use some of the stuff I just gave you today if that's helpful. You can go to the, the, the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. That might be a good background for you. You can go use something my friend does, and I put it in here, and he gave it to us for us to use. He, used value, he uses value cards and business, and he goes to companies and businesses, and he helps them kind of figure out what their values are. And he put all of those 38 values together. It's online. You can go get it. It tells you how to use it. And that might be a tool that's helpful. Whatever it takes. You go figure this out as a family. Because listen, you got to figure out what is sacred so that when we come back next week and start talking about calendar and conflict, you have the internal substance to really solve calendar and really solve conflict. And that is transforming in marriage and family. Bow your heads with me. Father, so few of us have ever really been trained in how to biblically or strategically make a marriage, a family work. You're helping us. So God, I want to pray this Colossians scripture over everyone who would receive it. God, I pray that we would not only put you at the center, but then today we would set our hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I pray that we'd set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. I pray that you would help us die to our old life and our old values and our old way of thinking. I pray, dear God, that you would free us from taking 50 cent advice and then begging you for a $100 life, but rather we would make discerning value decisions that we would make you first. Some of us right now are aware you're not first counselor, first advisor. You're not first in our calendar. You're not first in our money. You're not first in our lives. And you're going to arrest us and bring us to $100 values. Some of us were caught in defaulting to separateness rather than togetherness. And we never thought about it till today. And you're going to guide us into sacred values that are transforming So God, help us put to death whatever belongs to our earthly nature and to put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of you, our creator. May this be one of the most profound breakthrough weeks. May we find the conversation meaningful, the courage to have the conversation. May we require it of ourselves. May we have the gumption to go get this. May you breathe into those dialogues, into our marriage, into our family. May we just freely say, look, we haven't done this in forever. We haven't done this in a long time. Maybe we're an empty nester couple and we need to re-up. Dear God, let this be a week of transformation. And then you bring us back together. 
and you teach us how to solve calendar and conflict that we might live like no one else on earth. And then they might say, how do you do that? And we get to point them to you. Transform us, we pray in Christ's name. And everyone agreed saying, amen. May he be that kind.